problem of the Bible is a simple problem with profound implications for everyday life. Today we'll see the sad introduction of sin into God's good creation on The Bible Brief. Trouble is brewing in the garden. There's a slithery whisper that begins to be heard. In the midst of the very good creation that God made, there lurks a rebel, an adversary against God and mankind, a usurper who is not content to be ruled, but wants to rule instead, a liar and a cheat. And today, we'll meet this serpentine figure, the villain of the Bible story, a villain the Bible simply calls Satan, the adversary. In creation, we've experienced the power of God being able to merely speak things into existence, who brings things that are from things that are not. We've experienced the preparation of God as He prepares the world and the land for His crowning creation of humanity. And we've heard the purpose of God, that the man and the woman would worship and obey Him as they live in the Garden of Eden. And in this worship and obedience, they would rule over the animals as the sovereigns over the earth. Power, preparation, and purpose. But today, today we experience the problem of the Bible. A problem that we are all personally familiar with. Because it's a problem that we live with daily. A problem at the center of the heart that twists the good into the not-so-good. This problem is a problem of corruption, decay, and rebellion. It's a problem that the Bible calls sin. But sin didn't just appear in the world randomly. No, sin itself had an introduction into the world, an introduction by the adversary of God, through a lie of epic proportions. Now, remember from our last episode that I said we should remember two trees that were there in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, as the man and the woman lived in the Garden of Eden, God had given them a command concerning these two trees. You see, when God placed the man in the garden, He gave him his purpose to worship and obey, but He also gave a prohibition. God said, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God essentially says you can eat from literally any tree in the garden, the tree of life and all the other trees as well, fruit in abundance. And yet, he says there is a single tree that must not be eaten from. Its fruit is forbidden. You shall not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not a stretch of the imagination to guess where the story goes from here. Listen to the account as the Bible says it. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. One of those beasts of the land, one of those creeping things, the serpent, speaks to the woman. A serpent, being at the bottom of God's creation hierarchy, well, he wants to climb the ladder. And so he decides to go up a rung on the authority ladder. He goes to the woman, and he speaks. Questions to sow doubt, followed by lies in the form of authoritative statements. The serpent speaks lies, as though he is God speaking. He lies about God's instructions and gives his own instead. He says, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And yet, there's layers of irony in the serpent's statement. The only thing that the humans had ever seen was all the very good things that God had created. Good, good, and very good things. Remember, we highlighted that over and over again in creation, God saw that it was good. And yet, here the serpent says that in eating from the forbidden tree, that your eyes will be opened, as if they don't see yet as if they don't see all the good, all the beauty, and all the power of God. There's more irony in that the serpent says that they will be like God. Didn't the serpent know that the humans had already been created in the image and likeness of God? They were already like God. They didn't need to level up. The only direction they could possibly go was down. There was no going up because they were already at the top. They were already like God. And the final irony is that in eating from the tree, the only knowledge that would be gained is a knowledge of evil, too. The only thing that all of us today wish we couldn't see. We wish that everything around us was good and beautiful and perfect. And yet, besides the many good things that we continue to see, we certainly see evil as well. We know good and evil as an experience of daily life. But it was not always like that. Not until that fateful day. Next we read this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. In contrast to God, seeing all creation and judging it to be good, good, and very good, Here we get the first seeing by a human and subsequent judgment of good. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. Instead of listening to God's prohibition and God's judgment about the forbidden tree, the woman judges for herself. She's deceived into thinking that the tree will make her wise, as if wisdom is found in knowing good and evil. She's deceived into disobedience. And lest we let Adam off the hook, Adam just stands there. Instead of using his authoritative position over his wife to guide her to obedience, he's just a bump on a log. No resistance, no nothing, a deafening silence. And he's not recorded as having been deceived. Not stopping his wife and then taking the fruit from his wife is more of a willful, non-deceived, rebellious disobedience. He knew the rules and he fully knew he was breaking them. The woman was deceived into disobedience. The man was not. Next we read, 
Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You can imagine this moment, the first disobedience. Adam and the woman taking their first bites from the forbidden fruit, giddy expectation, their teeth breaking the skin of the fruit, the juicy sweetness begins to fill their palates, but that sweetness begins to sour as something else creeps into their senses. A something that they've never felt or experienced before. A sense of self-interest and isolation. A sense that we might call something like loneliness and alienation. This alienation quickly manifests itself too as they discover that they've been naked all this time. They're in a word, exposed. They're laid bare with nothing to cover them in their newfound shame and alienation. And the first thing they do is try to cover up their exposure. Their nakedness, they surmise, is not good. And they make coverings of fig leaves to cover over their exposed nakedness and differences. Before, having been made in the image of God, they were dependent and not alienated. They were in community with God and with each other, not isolated. But now, they were confused and alienated. Before, they had only known the good that God had made. But now, now they knew evil as well. Their own evil. Their own sin of disobedience. And soon, after seeing the fruit, tasting its sweetness, and feeling its consequence, they hear something. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. After hiding their nakedness, now as God approaches, they hide themselves. They know that they have done an evil thing, and perhaps for the first time, they're reminded what God had said about eating from that tree. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Perhaps they were thinking about death, that penalty that God had declared that they didn't fully understand. Death was something foreign, something different, something fearful. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Hiding from God? doesn't work. Hiding from God only reveals the alienation and isolation that Adam and the woman feel. Hiding doesn't hide their guilt. Hiding exposes it. And the question of God rings in the garden. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? How will God respond to this great disobedience? How will the death penalty be administered and what will become of the deceiving serpent? Join us next time as we see the great promise of the Bible in the midst of deathly consequences. Enjoying the podcast? Don't forget to leave us a review on your podcast player. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023